0: And welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we sit down with Vincent Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Call Me By Your Name directed by Luca Guadino and then newly released The Harder They Fall by James Samuel, The French Dispatch directed by Wes Anderson, Last Night in Soho by Edgar Wright and finally Dune directed by Denis Villeneuve. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. And Daily, how we doing, buddy? Tommy Boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right, man. How was your uh, how's your week in movies?
1: Doing it's a it's a, a doozy of a week, as you as you might have heard, folks at home. There's a lot of new releases we have here. We and really do, yeah. Big it's- time. I mean, these are probably the biggest blockbusters we have had since the start of the podcast. Yeah, these are some big boys. Yeah,
0: and these are definitely some big boys.
1: Yeah, I was able to get in a little bit of a kind of a research project uh, with "Call Me by Your Name" as well, uh, which uh, wanted to see more of Timothy chalamet's acting before jumping into dune so happy to tie that in there even with so many new releases
0: yeah and then even so like call me by your name only came out in 2017 right so like very fresh new list kind Mm -hmm. of we have for today absolutely okay well do you want to get started right away sure sure all right well, we'll start with that 2017 film call me by your name
1: okay so call me by your name this is pretty famous film you may have heard about this creating some buzz for its Oscar nominations and wins in 2018, I believe the win was for screenplay. And this is the gay love story between Timothy Chalamet, Armie Hammer, in a you know very academic uh, Italian setting. It's 1980s. It's very stylized for that reason. It's a little bit of a time capsule for that reason as well. Uh, to jump into. Honestly, I don't want to compare it so early on in my description of it, but it, it really, I think, is associated in just the same way that Brokeback Mountain was the Oscar kind of uh, gay film that was, mm. was associated at the time or in that decade. This very much has kind of taken that similar crown. Not that there has to be one crown, but no. it feels like there's a, some oversimplification sometimes in, in media for that reason. No,
0: oh, 100%. I do. I don't think that this carried as long as Brokeback Mountain did. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there'll be throwbacks to it. Like, Brokeback Mountain is still, like, brought up once in a while. <laughs> yeah, like, even absolutely. Even if just, like, you know, maybe, like, not the best jokes in the world, Right, like, it's still right. being brought up. I don't think this will be that, mm-hmm. but I do think it carried that weight for at least a period of time. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and then, like, now, yeah, definitely it's 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 in the air.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and for what it's worth, maybe that oversimplification it kind of hurt this movie for me going into it because I hadn't seen it uh, during that Oscar season and i was expecting one thing and definitely got another
0: so well that's another problem with things that hit kind of the sjw side mm-hmm. it's like you know it's just 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 practically speaking it is going to get a little bit more praise mm-hmm. so you almost have to take it with a grain of salt when you're really just looking at it as a movie and absolutely. not trying to look at it like you know outside the culture like the in the culture bounds of of, of society and everything like that absolutely you, know, or in the you theater really hit the watching. nail on the head too y- Yeah. Uh,
1: because i think going into this i was expecting one thing where uh, and I'll get into it. Of course, I mean this film kind of boils down to something very simple, honestly. Which not saying that's bad, but sure. it, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if it really is deserved of the immense amount of the praise. Praise the pra- exactly. Right. And
0: I think it, it was. It definitely was up for. More than just one Oscar, I believe. Yes, huh? it
1: only won the screenplay oh, or adapted gotcha. screenplay, I guess. Right, uh, but yes, it was it was nominated for a slew uh, of different things. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I I think uh, focusing on some highlights, folks, uh, for this film, uh, there's a focus around creativity. Our characters are in a kind of an academic sabbatical of some sort. They are studying in the Italian countryside. It's 1980 on the dot. There are there is wine. There is dance parties there it is in the summertime you know there is a very particular style that this is going for and I think probably one of the biggest highlights of this film is that that creativity that type of academic environment it is such a perfect thematic match for the gay curiosity that the film is about you know okay, sure yeah. uh, having the kind of great follow- through that there are these themes of discovery discovery of self uh, especially in Timothy's character who is underage there was some <laughs> some talk about that when this film came about uh, but there is uh, a kind of a tabooness to it that is is associated with it I think it's it's probably the best thing about the film because it is such a perfect match of themes and following through with script. Kind of a ludonarrative connection there that is really great. Uh, I think that's that's the biggest highlight of the film. When it comes to a a bit about the feel of the film, I, I... I, I wanted to avoid using this terminology probably as long as possible. It might have come up in a previous episode. I don't know. You can check me on this. But Oscar bait. Oh, uh, we say, I, I think we say that often. Kind of. <laughs> I, I've been consciously trying to avoid maybe, you know, uh, failing
0: at that. But. Yeah, no, no. But I think – I don't know why. That's an appropriate word. Yeah, it's, it's – I mean, there's there's – because it's – what a handful, maybe half a dozen films every year has that kind of tension. The way they're critically reviewed mm-hmm. and the way they're being talked about in the press and media, mm-hmm. um, Oscar bait is exactly what exactly what it yeah. is. You have the films trying to hit their marks in certain ways, mm-hmm. and uh, no, I think that works out.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a good catch-all in the sense that this is a platform for Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet to. Act. Uh, mm-hmm. And act their pants off. Uh, <laughs> I did, no pun intended, yeah. with that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when it, when it comes to what we're looking at here, it, it's it's in its writing, and I I, I do say that the writing, uh, I mean, writing in the in the nomination and the win for best adapted screenplay, there there there's a lot to love there. It's certainly of a higher caliber, of a higher brow, but I. I can't shake the feeling that the film is very much just trying to sound smart in some ways. Uh, and Oh, like I,
0: it's coming off arrogant?
1: Maybe not arrogant, but I, I, the best way I could describe it is, and I, I really do say so humbly, I think I'm smart enough to know when a film is trying to sound smart. Sure. Uh, and I could not shake that for the entirety of the run of this film. Yeah,
0: I think a lot of people have that just sense about them, which just when they're watching something – I don't know. Sometimes it just feels like they're trying to push you in a certain corner mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. Of, of like believing something or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that can, can completely makes sense. Absolutely. And, 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 and it is, you are walking into it with a lot of press behind it and everything like that. Like, again, there is that thing of, you know, it, it, they're talking it up. Mm-hmm. And you're, when you're going into the movie, you're expecting something for sure. Yeah. So it, it's like, it's easy to be not thrown by those things, mm-hmm. but you're catching on.
1: Yeah. For, and yeah. Th- those expectations can be damning, too. And I think oh, I was expecting. Time, one thing here, and and actually, you know, in, in in the coming weeks, we'll we'll touch on some more films in this way uh, of expectations and just coming into a, an entirely different ball game uh, of what this is. But mainly, I was watching this for an exploration of Tim's acting chops. I wanted to see. Uh, especially uh, lining up for Dune, lining up for probably his position to be in a serious uh, career pivot to seriously mainline films yeah, and, and yeah. maybe even specializing in sci-fi, depending on Dune. Uh, I want to well, see... Well, he's got
0: the one big big one coming out where he's the... Um, um, it's set back in um, medieval times.
1: Oh, yeah, at, on Netflix, right? I ble- yeah, I think it's, like it's called the King or something. something like Something that? like that. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. I should add that to the list, actually. That'd oh, I think good. so for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, to be honest, I, I I wasn't too big of a fan uh, of uh, of his acting in Dune. We'll obviously get to that in just a moment. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, and uh, if very similarly here, he's is a little bit of an oddball on 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 screen to watch. Uh, I do. Like him better in this. Uh, I honestly, I, if if I had to kind of boil it down, my thoughts, I, I clock him in like a like a like a Ryan Gosling that he's hmm. good at kind of one. No, I don't want to say one note, but he's good at doing his his one thing. Uh, and that happens to work with a lot of different films and a lot of different roles, but I don't per se see that as too nuanced. Otherwise than that, I mean, I really don't want to tear him apart. Clearly, he's uh, on a meteoric rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but uh, that—that's overall where I would clock him. Uh, on the other hand, Army Hammer, I think, is a slight to the film, <laughs> not for <laughs> anything outside of the the film's reception, of course, but um, it's a little bit of an oddball cast, just because he's. Positioned in sup- such a way that he uh, it- feels like a miscast uh, in the- in this film. Oh, was just uh, not right for the part. Yeah, it oh, ju- okay. Not for the setting, not for the themes. Uh, his character is supposed to be antagonistic a- at the beginning to Timothy's character, but I, I don't know. Uh, it-, it just it was a it was a a hard miscast for me because I just did not. Okay. feel like he was bringing the right energy to it uh, then again though you know I'm, I'm not I'm not the intended demographic for this so uh, maybe that that chemistry was was there for others and clearly the reverence for this film might might be evidence of that then so when it comes to the romance itself and, and these this is really going to be honestly some of my final thoughts on things because this is where it boils down to it the romance uh, itself, I think, is where I was scratching my head the most because I certainly got what the film was going for. Uh, what surprised me and what I was referring to with some of my expectations is that this film is uh, a lot more raunchier than than I expected. Um, and believe me, I'm not I'm not saying in like a prudish kind of way or anything like that. It more so shocked me because it was. If you look at this uh, this film from a bird's eye, it really just boils down to a very emotionally hot and heavy summer fling. And I huh, don't feel yeah. as as much as I really love the theming and the styling of how it pairs to the story it's trying to tell. I mean, it really is is, is something great uh, as far as the setting telling a story in itself. To these characters and and that being such a perfect fit for this story of discovery for these characters uh, on both sides of the coin um, it just uh, I mean it really just boils down i mean you can you can really very very quickly summarize this film and and, and that 's where it it left me with. I had these expectations that it was going to be somewhere greater. Maybe that pigeonholed my experience a little bit. I think probably yeah, the I, best thing I can say is go in not expecting an Oscar film and be pleasantly surprised at the care put into how this story is portrayed and how it evolves okay. uh, with the with the characters. Yeah, around. I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, uh, you know this is. Uh, not a movie where you're going to see kind of a playful meet cute uh, and then and then they kind of have a relationship from there uh, it you know emotions are very heavy here it is you know a film that is going to really tug at heartstrings for what these characters are put through eventually and and and, and what they what they ultimately have to give up I think the 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 highbrow dressings, uh, whether that's setting, whether that's script, it's certainly good. Like I said, I think it was maybe to summarize what I was saying before with kind of it's trying to sound smart. Maybe it's a little bit you know tryhardy, Oscar bait. You know, however you want to to kind of summarize it there. But I think the the. The highlight there, the matchings of academia, humanities into this discovery, it's a good highlight, uh, and at the core, yes, does it boil down to a summer fling, sure, but I think uh, there is a an intentional intentional design to uh, how this film was crafted, how the build-up happens, and... A pretty solid time for that reason. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, But with that said, I'm not going to say much more because while, of course, spoilers with this, not the most difficult thing to dance around, I think it's something that uh, for our audience at home, you know that this is going to be one particular persuasion and... If I could eliminate some of the expectations going into that, broaden that up a little bit. Uh, I think this uh, comes out with a pretty solid recommendation. With that said, we're gonna go ahead and give. call me by your name a 68. 68. okay, sounds about right. and And, and definitely I think if you uh, on the other hand where I you know was studying this film a little bit for Timothy's acting chops, I think in addition to that, if you really like him as an actor, this was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Just looking at 68 and listening to you talk about it, it's like, this is the appropriate score. Take the buzz away. Take the mm, media attention mm-hmm. to it for the political reasons.
1: 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Ridiculous.
0: It's exactly. It's, it really is. Yeah. And I'm not saying think this is a bad a 97. Movie. You know what I mean? Uh,
1: very much above average and, and just on the verge of a, a good or great movie. You know what I mean? It's... Something certainly worth your time at an 60, above average
0: watch. When you're in the '60s, yeah. as we we've been saying this, you know, a decent amount. When you're in the '60s, that is a mm-hmm. good movie. Mm-hmm. It is a good movie, but I think that manages expect. I think that score alone, people can look at that and manage expectations. Exactly, yeah. exactly,
1: and that, and hopefully that that helps with the guide of this. Because if anything, kind of shot me in the foot was again uh, these expectations. And this is four it. years later. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I
0: mean, the hype <laughs> back then was unbelievable. Right. Right. Okay. Wow. '68. Oh, very good, Ben. So, like we said, folks, that's our that's our only like previously released film. Uh, our next four are all ones that uh, are in theaters now playing. So we just want to take a second now remind people. Vin and I host the show. You all help produce the shows. We don't look at you as listeners. We listen to you as producers. And if you, you know, we're going off the value for value model. Basically, what that says is, like, if we're providing value for you, if you're getting value from this on a weekly basis, you're checking out the site, if you could, uh, throw us back some value. and Basically, what that means is monetary donation. You can go to the dailyratings.com at the donations tab, and you can donate a little bit, a big amount, reoccurring payments, just a one-time thing. You write a note, and uh, when you you donate with the note, we'll read it on the air, and uh, you know this will be our established producer segment and we'll we'll just read down and if you want to be anonymous, you know just say you want to be anonymous and we'll say, hey anonymous donated this much, we can read your note and kind of open discussion here. this is the part of the podcast that we can have and uh, we're having a good time doing this. we're in the early stages of it, and we're trying to build something great with you all. So that said, that's a value for value model. Again, it's the daily ratings.com at the donations tab. We appreciate all you producers who help produce this and keep it going for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it takes a little bit of money, but it sure takes a lot of time to put all this together. We hope you enjoy it. We are enjoying it ourselves. So we thank you all so much. All righty. So with that, let's go now into our uh, in theaters now. And we're going to start with The Harder They Fall, directed by James Samuel.
1: Yes. Uh, so this is streaming on Netflix. Has been for some time. I actually had some some personal friends reach out and, and, and want to get my opinion on this. So I said, hey, uh, what, what a better opportunity to put it to, to audio. For Absolutely. The <laughs> you know, if I'm watching it anyway, you're, you're going to hear about it, basically. And let so. me just tie that
0: back, producers. If you, <laughs> if, if you donate a total of $500, and not one, you could do it in, you could do one. One buck a day if you You want to do a buck a month, and if we're doing it that long, that would be great. But if you hit that 500 mark, you producers, um, you can get the title of director, and with director, you will be known as director such and such. You can make up a name. You can use your whatever name, but you will be known as as director John, director Vin, director Tom, if you want whatever you want to be. But part of that is, besides a little gift package, you'll get... Um, you also get pick. You get to pick any film you want for Vin, Vin to review, and he will review it for the next podcast, or at least the one after that. So, and go easy on me, folks.
1: I mean, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> that, that could be uh, truly nightmarish, but hey, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> but anyway, just wanted to
0: throw that in there, Vin. Yeah. But anyway, so friends got in touch with you.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and I mean, this was an easy watch. Again, kind of it's going to it's going to come through on these kind of HBO Max, Netflix, any kind of digital release that the barrier to entry is pretty low so it it that, that doesn't play into my score rating at all but it is a factor that I kind of want to note. Uh, this is Netflix's big blockbuster attempt of a western and Very much from the get-go, you can see that this is trying to be a modern-day Blacksportation film. Uh, Blacksportation, if you're not familiar with that terminology, think of movies like Shaft, uh, Foxy Brown, or probably what a lot of people's Gateway movie was into this was actually a parody of that, which was Black Dynamite. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And and definitely trying to parody off of those hyper-stylized... Almost you know entirely full black- cla- black cast uh, that is what this film is after uh, and though it may not be uh, laid out in a, in in the description of it or in the in the Netflix summary, you quickly gather that very early on by the setting and by the extremely large cast that is filled with uh, a, a who 's who of modern black act- actors and even uh, previous superstars as well oh here. yeah, for sure so. for sure. I think as far as the Western elements, uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, my note here is Golden Gun Goofy. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> closer to something like The Quick and the Dead, uh, which is uh, a little bit of callback. We we had a Western deep dive, Tom, uh, and we watched The Quick and the Dead. We're, we're, we're in a huge fan of it, but <laughs> it definitely is more action movie with Western wrappings. I would almost compare this to a Sin City, uh, and hear me out for a second, just in the sense that, I mean, it's not in black and white or, or hyper comic book stylized, but that same type of style intensity uh, is right here, uh, uh, just in a Western kind of flavor. Yeah, 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 It's important to note the tone because I think a majority of the cast, being black, um, There is a little bit of a a genre of uh, of kind of historical fantasy. This film is not concerned much like a Django, Unchained, where there is a social commentary. There is an intensity to the message that they're trying to say or or pointing at atrocities or anything like that. This film is just wholly not concerned with that. Uh, There are... Some callbacks uh, to slavery to white ownership, but there's the film is focused on having a good time. It is not trying to put a spotlight on that, and more importantly, it's not trying to put a spotlight on that because with such a large black cast, it's not trying to explain how an entire town is made uh, made up of African American population. Right, right. Uh, In in the Old West, you know, I mean, there 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 needs to be kind of a separation there uh, for the the story they're trying to sure, tell. Sure, yeah, about. absolutely. When it comes to, you know, my feelings on that, I'm not saying a, a stylized Western action film needs to walk the same path as Django, that slavery is interwoven into the story. Uh, this is a revenge tale. This is a gunslinging tale. So it, it it's not... It's it's not a problem that's doing it. It's certainly an empowerment story for that reason. But I think it's important to note because it was something that I was kind of asking questions the whole time or even waiting for those plot threads to connect to our characters. Okay. As naturally it would with the time setting uh, or or the time period uh, in the story. Uh, I think the best thing you can do watching this film, especially if you are uh, in love with multiple of these cast members and you want to see them in a fun blockbuster film, take that out. Have fun with the with the kind of western fantasy, and that's again where I'm tying back to see it like a quick and the dead, see it like a hyper stylized sin city you're going to have a lot better of a time with this film then so does that make sense
0: uh i, I yeah no, I do think it does I do think it does make sense
1: I think I, for that reason I- if you like westerns you, okay you, you know here's my
0: question. i literally mm-hmm. was just about to ask you that. sure you know how my feeling on western i I'm, I'm a little bit more old school western love my john- love John Wayne and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, would you say this is a movie for me or like true Western fans? Is it? Uh, or I, am I gonna am, like am I gonna watch this and treat it like the new Magnificent Seven that came out?
1: No, no. And if anything, your thoughts on Buster Scruggs as well—the goofiness there, right? Uh, again, it is Golden Gun Goofy. That is the my is elevator it a com- pitch.
0: Is it comedy, or they're throwing in there? Like, is there comedy in the movie, or is it like that goofiness is just for the audience I, and I the don't players know. in the film aren't? Part of the goofiness. Does that make I sense? think.
1: I think it's it's an, it's an attempt at badassery. It's trying to amp things up in a fictional way that obviously would not be in in a real Western setting. Uh, of course, of course. Uh, but. But there's it, movies that do it well. And like, it's hit like, or miss for that reason. I, I think some things land, others don't. And and you also have to understand, it's definitely going for a blockbuster. That's not like any any sort of small western project or no, anything No, like that. for it's sure, for sure. It's Western set pieces. I mean, it's Netflix's. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to put, they absolutely. wanted the
0: all-black cast. They wanted to do something like a western, which you don't mm-hmm. usually see heavy sure. black characters, so they yeah. went for it. Um, even the trailer was super, like, how was the stylized compared to a Tarantino? Like, like was the gore that they try to give you those wow moments, those wow scenes, because Tarantino can set up a scene so beautifully and mm. so well. I don't know if that was throughout or no. Uh,
1: unfortunately not. And, and uh, I believe this is a first time director as well, or, or maybe he doesn't have a, a feature length thing. Okay. I don't want to knock him too much, but uh, that expertise, that that craftsmanship, yeah, it is, is just simply Of course, there, of course, you know? yeah. But I, I, I do understand what you're saying. I think the best thing I, I would say is the style is put into making... All sides of the characters, good and bad, as cool as possible, and and what else do you want to achieve as a blockbuster? Honestly,
0: sure. So, but how did it pull it off? Uh, uh, right? <laughs> how I'm it very pulled skeptical. it off? I'm very yeah, I, skeptical. Yeah, I mean, I, I
1: think that's it, it's just understanding what it is, uh, and if you are down to have a fun uh, uh, a fun action, you know, kind of no strings attached type of time with this film, I think. It is what it is, I think, for me, falls short in a major way, and we'll get into some of that in just a second. Biggest strength is the cast. Yeah, Idris cast, is awesome cast. in this. Plays okay. Plays a very cool character, plays the villain, uh, and it's fun to see a lot of characters on the screen. Unfortunately, where this dips down for me is that there's nothing of substance for really any of these characters. I would say it is on par with, like, a Fast and Furious-style uh, character arcs that there is the appearance of an arc, but it's really just very one so note. It, so it's more um, so
0: literally about, like, getting the big name on the screen?
1: It's it, it's probably about getting as many big names on screen as possible and, you know, telling a, an empowerment story, hmm. which, again, not terrible. I don't... Uh, I'm telling you folks at home, in the end product... It's surface level. No, it's surface level not a lot and of con- depth. yeah, not a lot of depth. I think what's a big miss for me is the music, uh, believe it or not. Uh, and and this is what I want to say with some of your Tarantino comments: the music is uh, <laughs> distracting. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, I, you know, I, I how I've introduced this is it's so stylized. You know, I mean, I it could honestly, I I would almost say from a bird's eye, <laughs> you could probably play any music you want. The music is such a miss for me. There is reggaeton, there is Cuban, there is rap, there is dance hall. It is distracting because the music is not only avoids any sort of thematic pairing, it is very much uh, I want to kind of play my, my music or, or, or what I like throughout the entire film. And, <laughs> I, I, and, and on top of that as well, I mean, I think in addition with a very hard pitch to tie these type of genres to uh, the setting. Again, I'm not trying to over compare to Django because certainly, you know, there, there's there's uh, people people can make more original stories, you know. I mean, I like Django, but it's not it's not a, you know, it's not the holy grail or anything like that. There's just such a a, a mismatch sometimes with how music is introduced and how it plays on certain thematic cues. <laughs> it is downright distracting. Wow. Uh, it is such a negative for me and constantly took yeah, me out of the film. Yeah, it would be for me too. It yeah. would be for me too. Yeah. and and, and you know, there is rap in 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 Django, so again, it's not that there's not a a pairing going on there. It's
0: really uh, not as easy as you would think. Yeah, yeah. There is an art to picking the proper music. Absolutely, for a like it's a big, important job. Absolutely. Um, it, <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and you gotta. It, I think the film has to sell it too. I I, I feel like they're certain times when they'll be riding into a town for instance and a song is playing there's just it not only is it distracting not only is it just loud uh, it it just <laughs> it just doesn't play into anything like for the w- feelings of the characters right. um, certainly you know uh, there, there is a there is a common theme with Idris Elba's character again a, a big highlight of the cast because mm-hmm. he's, he's a really cool villain and, and he has this this kind of reggae uh, you know uh, chanting or, or, or theme behind him uh, that matches in places that is almost nowhere else in this soundtrack. Okay. Uh, and, and in the pairing and the, in the musical editing. So, bottom line, I, I think baked into the movie, it is a big action western, and Netflix has definitely thrown money at this to try to have a blockbuster release among many heavy hitters right now. Uh, I think it is a very easy watch. For me, I was coming out of this lukewarm to cold, you know, it. it I'm, I'm saying very simply, it's nothing that you need to make time for. And for me, for a couple particular reasons, and I think... Uh, folks at home, you're probably gathering how important soundtrack and sound editing is for me. Uh, there are some some bad slights against this film that really actually sapped the the little enjoyment I had in a in a big blockbuster, <laughs> which is not you know I'm not the demographic for anyway. So uh,
0: uh, I would I, I don't think so. I think we are the demographic for it. True. You know, uh, I'm well, I, I'm sure uh, Netflix I'm, thinks everyone's the demographic. Well, yeah, but it. I'm assuming there's a decent amount of gore in it. Like it, it's rated R. Mm-hmm. I'm sure language and gore is in true. there. Like it's true. You know, with our Age and the fact that like it's a western, so it's going to be more you know towards the male audience mm-hmm. and probably younger male audience that mm-hmm. can ha- that can handle you know the gore, maybe language the that's used. In yeah, it, sure, sure, you know what I mean. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I definitely think we're right there in the audience, yeah. the target audience. Yeah.
1: And I, uh, I more than anything, believe me, I can get behind a a dumb action film. Uh, I, I'm not saying that this film couldn't have deeper elements to it, but uh, I mean. Watch it for yourself, and you can decide. uh, If I could save you some time, though, that's why we're going to go ahead and give "The Harder They Fall" a 34.
0: Ooh, 34. I was thinking around the 50s. Okay, really, really.
1: I mean, I'm not surprised by it. Yeah, but after you talking about
0: it, for some reason, I was thinking 50s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Idris Elba can only carry it so far. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. And
1: and again, I can't tell you how much. I would challenge anyone to listen to almost to the soundtrack separately and guess where that's going to be in the film and be proven wrong 100% of the time. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, I, I, like I introduced for it, folks, I, I am a little... Soft-handed with this, or 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 fifty-fifty, uh, because uh, it is it's Netflix. You know, what I mean, there there is a very low barrier to entry, and I think that's maybe something important to note as well. So sure,
0: I, again, just as a big Western fan. I would be rolling my eyes. Yeah, especially okay, yeah, if yeah. you
1: weren't a huge fan of Buster Scruggs, this is even farther in the stylized, hyper hyper fantasy, kind okay, of Western okay. fantasy. So. The funny thing
0: is it's still a Western, so I still feel like I need a watch. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, so moving on here, we're going to go with uh, Wes Anderson, big, um, big mm. name coming out with the French Dispatch.
1: We got a lot of big names. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, so we covered... Um, what did we cover? Fantastic Mr. Fox recently. Yep. Yeah. Fairly yeah, yeah, yeah. recently. Uh, so I was super pumped uh, to see this film. This is a anthology or short segment format. If you're not familiar with that term, basically think like little vignettes, little short films. Um, primarily, this film breaks down into five, two very short segments, and three primary segments that make up the film. To my knowledge, Wes's. Wes has not directed any sort of anthology. I haven't seen all of his films. I've seen a good amount of his work. But um, what's what's great about this is that all of these little dives into stories, topics, uh, uh, you know, kind of pseudo historical segments, uh, all of it is really bleeding uh, Wes Anderson's style. Uh, and I think if you 're familiar at all with any of these films, it is absolutely a notable style you know this is unre- you know this is remarkable in the sense that it's it's totally recognizable the yeah. quirkiness the the he has delivery such a style yeah. that only he does really yeah, yeah. It, it plays into uh, a little bit of how scenes and shots are set up uh, positions uh, within the frame uh, how characters leave the frame you know in, in goofy or kind of quirky ways you know it's it's all over this film by the nature of the anthology uh, by the nature of this kind of short segment format in these in these mini uh, short stories these mini stories, some are better than others, and I think it's honestly the curse of uh, you know an anthology type movie we're actually going to be covering a an anthology film soon, and I think that will challenge my kind of notion of some being better than others, there's always going to be this kind of natural comparison that as you're sitting in the audience and watching these films, you go, Oh, well, I, I kind of preferred the first one, or oh, I oh, really yeah. like that last one. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's kind of a curse to the format, uh, but yeah, there know, is
0: a natural comparison type thing that happens exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. Uh, but for that reason, uh, how I'm introducing this way, uh, folks, is I, I don't want to get into the too much into the content of any one of these stories, one, because the runtime's not that long. Uh, and two, to avoid any sort of spoilers or kind of expectations to say, oh, oh, this is the good one. This is what you know the Daily Ratings said was the best one or anything like that. So I'm not going to get into that at all. Instead, I, I want to kind of focus on it from a bird's eye. Wes's style is relentless uh, and totally in a good way. Uh, it's very, very entertaining. Just when you think you've seen all the tricks, especially if you've seen movies in the past, or I think what he really, I mean, I don't want to use something so... <laughs> he's so bloated of a word as magnum opus or anything like that, but <laughs> Hotel Budapest is really his, 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 the masterwork. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And for me, watching that film, it was, well, I mean, how is he gonna, you know, he all the tricks are out, you know, uh, and still there are more ways that he's introducing his very particular style and it's it's always entertaining to watch, whether it's a... It puts
0: a smile on your face, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: it, it boils down to the fact that the film itself is fun to look at. Uh, there is an entertainment factor hmm. in the moving images itself, yeah, just bo-
0: uh, honestly, just boiling it down like that you 're totally right yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: there 's a dance to it uh, you know I, I I think when it comes to you know characters, how they 're interacting with this writing style, certainly there 's a very large cast across these multiple stories I, I think it goes so much more than. Uh, Wes having a fresh re-roll of uh, actors and actresses to work with. I think again he is still further refining the toy box style. Uh, I don't know if that's oh no maybe think... the perfect way to describe it, but yeah, I think that's yeah that's good enough. That's that's where I have in my notes. It is toy box style, and 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 specifically his use of miniatures as well. I think really plays into. that. I love
0: how like you know you're looking at a miniature and it and yet it's like oh. It's, like, so perfect. I, it's, it's it, some, like, works completely. Some
1: shots in this, and, and especially for Hotel Budapest, uh, more breathtaking than what I think would be CGI, you know, uh, with a like massive some, budget. Yeah, there's something about it that, I don't know, I guess Toy Box, that's not a bad way to kind of describe it. I originally and it had works, Quaint, but I feel like that was kind of derogative. I don't know. Uh, or, yeah, or a little bit. It fits the feeling. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He's so good at it. Uh, he really I, We is. can't even describe it. You he know really what I mean? It was,
0: and he envisions it. And Wes Anderson, from my understanding, is not just hands-on. It's like to a T, every minute mm. uh, thing. I remember I was listening to uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum mm. um, mm-hmm. in an interview, and he was talking about when he, he was doing uh, Grand Budapest. He had changed something like he had changed a the to a but – Oh, okay. or something like that and after and after the scene West West was apparently like, "Did you uh did you change something?" Oh, wow. Jeff and Ed, Jeff was like, "Oh, yeah, I thought like, you know, I thought it however he would say like, mm-hmm. huh, huh. Yeah. Um, and he was just like, "Oh, I thought it would work." And then Wes Anderson was just like, "Yeah, let's let's try it the other way." Wow, like wow. something that small. Yeah. I mean, so he's just he envisions these things and mm-hmm. he knows exactly what he wants, which is incredible because like yeah. again, we don't even know exactly how to put words into it, Absolutely. and he's dreaming it up and like making it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And
1: I think that shows uh definitely a craftsmanship it uh, certainly care into his product, uh, and and at such a high level. I mean, it is, I I, I can't not come out of this movie very positive towards it because there is so much care and and I, I would challenge any audience member to look at that movie, look at any of his movies and say uh, yeah he was just doing that for the paycheck you know it, these are, oh, this uh, is for his yeah. heart this is yes for his yes yeah performance wise uh, a very large cast like I said I don't want to get too much into a critique of story arcs or the characters uh, but I think there are some standouts Adrian Brody phenomenal uh, Francis uh obviously fantastic I'm a big fan of her uh gonna have a review on something which i think is probably her best performance in the coming weeks so very excited to talk about uh and benicio del toro uh really really fantastic in the film oh good uh and uh when you see them on screen uh the only the only type of prepping that i want is just to to recognize i mean these are really some great performances from all of them then so
0: and um uh, Leah Seadu yes. is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, is she in a big, I, with, with She's Quentin in Anderson.
1: Benicio Del Toro's segment. Okay. And, and the first of the big three. Okay, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, or the, I, I, I can't really say big because they're all short stories, but, you know, and, the primary And isn't, um,
0: isn't, our, isn't Timmy Boy in it, too?
1: Uh, Timmy Boy is in yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Yeah. Wow, he's getting on th-
0: the podcast three times three this week. Times. <laughs> it's a big week for him.
1: <laughs> he's going to have to pay his royalties soon. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think... Um, because I, I don't want it to be all gush because honestly I'm not coming out of this film saying it's a masterpiece uh, so don't get me wrong I, I definitely want to uh, give some criticism here and I think the issue with the with what I have with this film is the same in most of his films that the story is so entertaining to watch uh, the concepts are being introduced the characters are being introduced and then it just always runs out of gas a little bit the follow through mm. is always a little bit weak a- and if I had to kind of give a blanking criticism to Wes's stories that he takes on is that they always they run out of gas or maybe it's that that's the effect on the audience or at least for me when the the beginning is such a huge highlight and then the the ending does not doesn't really have that follow through i think that is emphasized here because very simply, we're touching on this in the short story formats and almost identically in each of the short stories, you get to a point and you're like... Okay, all right, now I guess it's ending now, and okay, and it's done. It peters out, kind of. Exactly. And maybe, you know, that plays into hmm. the type of stories he wants to tell. He doesn't want to tell a, a bombastic conclusion, a Hollywood ending, or something like that. Maybe that's very intentional to the type of art he's trying to convey, that it's a it's a dip into this little magical world, and then we're done, you know?
0: But if it's so almost, I don't know if episodic is the word, but to get that mm-hmm. over and over and over where things kind of fizzle out, that's when mm-hmm. it's got I don't want to say it's a, a drag. I don't know if that's a little bit dramatic, but mm-hmm. it kind of is. And I'm just looking, like, you would think it'd be a little bit snap. It's only an hour and 47 minutes. Right. So you would just think it would be naturally a little bit more snappier and, and just keep you up. You know what yeah. But
1: I mean, I, but, uh, I, mean uh, I think especially for our main three segments, uh, I can almost point to a T that I I wasn't exactly like looking at my watch in the film but it was it was it was a moment of just all right well where's this going and oh it's now it's over okay <laughs> so <laughs> I think you know prior to seeing this I thought him tackling mini stories was a perfect fit for that reason okay. in concept because I thought it would have been a solution for if he's going to run out of gas in a, you know, a traditional story arc or something like that, smaller films, maybe we, you know, that that's a strategic way to address that type of problem. It's still in each of these stories, it has its own little stumble, I think, for me, you know, more of this director style... I always want more of Wes Anderson. Mm, I think, yeah. I, think I, I want him to get funding because no one's making it like him. And I, I think that's a gem to have in our film landscape. Yeah, no, of course, of yeah. course, absolutely. But, uh, I think more importantly, critically for me, it does not break the mold and it definitely does not reach the heights of what... I think is pretty commonly referred at as his masterpiece now as Grand Budapest. So that definitely is still the king, you know. Uh I was excited to maybe see him break that mold a little bit more, but alas, definitely not a bad time whatsoever and if you love Wes Anderson for folks at home Absolutely, something you can watch because it is a direct injection. You are mainlining <laughs> West Anderson style across five little little short films. Then, so very cool. With that said, we will go ahead and give the French Dispatch a seventy-three.
0: All right, seventy-three—a very good score, and I think a lot of people listening are go, are going to. Give it a watch. There's just so much respect there for the guy. Absolutely.
1: It is a very solid watch, more than anything. I mean, the the cast being so huge, you're going to find something to love uh, across the board. uh,
0: Yeah, I'm going to check out... I'm going to go on our site then and check out... um just go through the ratings that we give him and see how consistent oh, he true. is. You know, I'm mean, very yeah. interested because he's, he's such a consistent guy. Yes. I mean, yes. very different films, of mm-hmm. course, but mm-hmm. consistency in that feel and, and just, like, quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be interested to kind of see where he lands up. Sure, sure, um, absolutely. All right, all right, that's awesome, 73. Let's keep it going here. We have The Last Night in Soho, directed by Edgar Wright.
1: Okay, all right. Uh, One after another. I mean, big films, uh, big directors, uh, and a lot of excitement from me because these are... Directors that I like to follow. Obviously, the fuel of having the podcast is is an extra incentive there. More than anything, excited to talk about these films uh, in in you know in in a major way. Uh, Last night in Soho is uh, very much a stylized teen horror film with heart that seriously raises it above the typical body swap type of plot that you would get very recently there was a film with vince vaughn called freaky uh, still that, want to see it still i know want to see I, it. I heard pretty good things you know uh but a big uh, vince vaughn guy <laughs> as you know big vince vaughn guy you you gotta let the folks at home know <laughs> <This> <laughs> big is the fan. first vince vaughn <laughs> reference <laughs> um but uh I, I i think it's important to note that i came at this film with a little bit of unfair expectations, we we touched on the Sparks Brothers, uh, Edgar Wright's documentary, and I was I was very positive on it. I'm very positive on this film. Understand, for me as an audience member, Baby Driver was like one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, and uh, it's in the '90s, folks. Yeah, it's
0: in the '90s uh, on the daily ratings, which yeah, as we know, there's like ten. Only. Yeah, so uh, it, it, yeah,
1: I think. Coming into this, I really had to keep my expectations in check because I knew I really wasn't going to get the the, the magic mix that I saw in Baby Driver. I knew I was probably going to like it. Uh, gonna, you got some butterflies going into it. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You've been on an right high for sure. Absolutely. I mean, he really is one of my favorite directors. Uh, and again, almost very similarly to the Wes Anderson commentary that we just did. It is so entertaining to watch the motion picture on screen, you know?
0: Yeah, you've commented on that before.
1: Yeah. I think uh, one thing I want to know with this is that in my description of this being a teen horror movie, it is very much more a teen flick. Yes, Baby Driver, you could probably associate the same being a kind of a teen heist thriller uh, in some ways, or at least, you know, as, as the main characters. This one, even much more of a teen flick. And almost talk about my theater experience with this. I saw this in theaters, and there was a... A rambunctious group of like <laughs> seventeen middle school to high schoolers. they uh, they were talking the whole time. they were they were uh, the turning
0: the grumpy guy? Did you turn no, in the grumpy guy on him?
1: And, and that's exactly why I want to bring it up <laughs> it It was actually added to the enjoyment of the film and made me understand this is the demographic for this film mm. uh, when there was something scary I wasn't even even slightly scared but hearing these kids actually jump out of their seats it, it really it kinda, didn't
0: annoy the hell out of it you it didn't
1: annoy the hell out of me I was really <laughs> enjoying I mean obviously I wasn't like joining in with them you know, they're, they're children but, <laughs> but it really kind of had a, a youthful quality to it that I enjoyed a lot and very similar to
0: when you're watching a comedy and you have a theater all laughing exactly. at the same thing
1: participation in a good
0: way. It bolsters the movie ever yeah. so much more. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, all right.
1: Uh, and I think that was important for me because, in the moment, especially my early thoughts in this film, it feels very much like a, a teen setup because it, that is what it is. And. Just seeing that allowed me to kind of understand the film, hopefully what Edgar was truly going for. Hopefully that's actually not a misread as well. No, yeah, of course. Uh, But I think much more, it's important to note, from Baby Driver, we're moving much more into the teen side of this. uh, And not necessarily for a bad way, just important to note that you're not getting a, you know, slow burn drama horror or something like that, you know.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's an important distinction to make.
1: Yeah. Uh, Edgar is playing with uh, less... Still,
0: ed- by the way, it's still rated R. It's still. It's not like... It's not oh, like that's, for, that is true. You know, it's not for tweens or anything how like they that. sneak in there?
1: <laughs> 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 I got to check ID. Check zone. ID, yeah. You're ruining my movie. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Edgar is uh, definitely playing with less editing tricks uh, in his tool belt this time. Much like Baby Driver, there w- there's a dedication to one... One specific styling uh, for Baby Driver That was obviously music cuts uh, Which, uh, why that film jived so well with me Because I, I, mean, I love musical editing uh, or, or musical kind of synchronization uh, in the edit uh, For this, there is a si- almost a single focus In Edgar Wright's editing tricks That he always taps into uh, On a dancing of characters In place of each other in the frame uh, We have Anna Taylor-Joy yeah yeah yeah. Yes. And then I, I unfortunately forget the the other female actress. The the single focus here is having these characters dance in place of each other uh in the frame. We have Anita Taylor Joy playing a character set back in the 60s 70s uh old school Soho uh and then Thomasin McKenzie as the our present day the the two female leads they really are Equal uh, with each other because not only do they have equal screen time to share, they are actually sharing the same screens in cool visual editing tricks. Uh, a character will pass one of the two, will pass a mirror, and you will see the other on the other oh, side of the mirror. Very cool. Uh, during a dance sequence, there's a very prominent dance sequence in you know maybe you know a quarter into this film. And constantly, the characters are switching out real time behind the camera with the dance. It's very entertaining. Yeah, that's cool. To watch. That's cool. And, and I think Edgar sh- Wright has such good flow mm-hmm. in a film. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think just in the same way that probably Baby Driver was an exploration of musical cuts as a singular trick uh, or singular kind of gimmick, not in a bad way. But uh, when it comes to this, it is the gimmick is switching these characters yeah. out as much as possible. That's pretty cool. That's
0: cool though. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and. For for that reason, I mean, this film, like a lot of Edgar Wright films, rewards the keen eye. It rewards an audience member paying attention to little Mm -hmm. cues, little themes, because there's going to be constantly... Uh, cuts in the edit that are going to play into that theming and creating this style um, uh, seriously a british film uh, I mean this is <laughs> this is uh, about as British as hot fuzz uh, and obviously focus on a much cooler setting of Soho. Uh, I bring this up because I think. For that reason, the coolness of that setting, uh, maybe some callbacks that I couldn't appreciate as a as a you know domestic U.S. watcher. I think there's maybe some enjoyment if Soho is a kind of uh, not a historical setting, but a, a uh, you know part of the city or a style, uh, especially the '60s and '70s vibe of that. If that's something that you dig at home, uh, for folks at home. Uh, That is going to add to a lot of enjoyment here. Uh, I also bring it up as kind of a half pace because for me, I have no doubt I probably missed some deep cuts or if something was shown in a particular way, maybe a a specific club from back in the day. I just didn't have an appreciation for it. Uh, So uh, something to note that I think uh, could be uh, there could be a lot there for audience members to love the musical styling, the setting. Not that I couldn't appreciate it, but I definitely wasn't, you know, saying, oh. Look at that. You know. Right. I
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great because, uh, like, someone who is more in the know or something like that or overseas, it's like it makes it that much even better.
1: Sure. Sure. Uh, but, and where this kind of plays into kind of a, uh, not, not a criticism, but definitely not a huge highlight after. Uh, I, I would not separate that type of highlight from Easter eggs in a movie, which, I mean, you look at some some previous reviews on the podcast, definitely has been a negative as well. So uh, kind of uh, something to note, but uh, nothing that I think is going to distract too much from the film, because bottom line, if the film is trying to go for a very cool style, it achieves that through its yeah. setting and its music and, and and a lot of care through that. Okay, so I intentionally don't want to talk about the story to mine. I've, I've said that now two times with uh, uh, with French Dispatch, but uh, yeah, but it's
0: sometimes. It, I mean, we 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 do our best. Absolutely, to be, and be and, spoiler free, we gotta be spoiler free. Sometimes it's just that means you. Sometimes you're just not going to talk that much about exactly. <laughs> and and I think. You know, but.
1: I think it's important to note because uh, you know this is this is a, a movie that I was surprised at you know there 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 are some I don't even want to say twists because there are there are multiple moments that I was like wow I, I mean I, I didn't expect that folks I watch a lot of movies <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I watch yeah. A, a lot of movies, so wasn't <laughs> I shocked when I was surprised by this film? Not once, but multiple times. Uh, I think for that reason, That's I refreshing. need to... Yeah. It's refreshing, yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, and, and just know that our two female leads are a delight to watch on screen, uh, especially Anna Taylor-Joy. She's phenomenal on screen, uh, very, very cool, uh, and just such a presence. Uh, definitely gets a positive mark from me. And, and like I said a moment ago, this film rewards the keen eye, it rewards the smart viewer, like most of Edgar Wright's films. Uh, so uh, I don't want to give elements away, but if you decide to watch this film, pay attention and know that there's some surprises company bu- uh, coming, but pay attention to the moments that are what is given the focus on in film, the film itself is going to reward that type of viewing style. Uh, Like I said, I mean, I watch a lot of movies. I can pick them apart. Uh, I was damn surprised that this film, you know, actually threw me some twists. That's awesome. Uh, That's really good to hear. it's, it's, It's wonderful. So, you know, apologies for maybe being a little less meat on the bones than I would talk about something, but really bottom line... Uh, I I love this film go ahead and watch it it's one of the most stylized horror films in a long time and give one of the best directors working right now some love we're going to go ahead and give the last night in Soho a 78
0: all right 78
1: not the heights of a baby driver but still a great great yeah that's
0: awesome that's really cool I'm going to check it out for sure Absolutely, uh, Especially at a 78, man, that's a really good score. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's keep the block. big blockbusters keep on rolling here. Kind of the Mac Daddy, I think, personally. Come uh, on, get me a glass of water.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're going to go, folks, with Dune. A lot riding on this one in, in kind of multiple ways. Directed by Dennis Villeneuve. No, how do Denis. we... Deni. Denis, the, Denis oh, Villeneuve. No, Deli no. Uh, wow. have we we've learned, folks.
1: <laughs> Here we go.
0: Six different we, ways to pronounce it, but we six, think we nailed on the proper uh, I one. No,
1: we're gonna call him Denny. I, I, <laughs> I, I love Denny too, and the fact that I, through the press circuit, have found out I've probably been pronouncing his name wrong the entire time. I think a lot of people have those. That's I, all right. I know it, it. It makes me feel like a big dummy, but <laughs> but Denny getting behind the camera for for Dune. I mean, the film that is cursed to make people say, "Oh, you talking about Doom? Is that (laughs) the video game with The Rock? (laughs) That's (laughs) true. (laughs) In the end product here, uh, we get a a moody Shakespearean dialogue with a slow burn sci-fi. And and ladies and gentlemen, it has never been so breathtaking to watch. I think um, Denny has really done a phenomenal job to bring it all home uh, where... Quite literally, others have failed. Uh, we have Dune trying to be adapted by Jordofsky, who did Holy Mountain. Of course. Uh, oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, maybe we'll revisit Holy <laughs> Mountain. That'll be. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, of course, the David Lynch adaptation in the 80s, uh, which I don't think. I mean, maybe that's something that we can uh, revisit at some point, but uh, not power a big to fan. You. Yeah, not no, a big fan
0: of that film. No one is a big fan. Yeah, uh, David Lynch is not a big
1: fan. Mm-hmm, yeah. Absolutely, uh, I I love this film, but not for all the reasons you think or that you may may associate with my with you know my love of sci-fi. I, I have no attachment to Dune as an intellectual property. I have not read the books. Uh, As a nerd on the internet, I have dived into a little bit to understand the timeline and Spice and the empires and have kind of a cursory nerd knowledge of Sure, sure, absolutely. Which is good. That's good to do. Yeah, yeah. Really, what I was coming into this for is a true love of Denny and his films. Uh, I kid you not, folks. I... I feel fully confident in saying that Denny is the best director of the 2010s. Uh, Prisoners, I think is one of the greatest thrillers Mm. you can watch at all time. His rise into sci-fi with Arrival, with Blade Runner as a sequel. It, you can watch this film and see the building blocks of his career, of his filmography and the ramp up into the stylings and how this monstrous story is portrayed. And, uh, I think especially with the ability to watch this on maybe a an HBO Max or, or the ease of watching this, I, I think I'm coming out of this very, very positive with this Dune uh, adaptation. I think it's important to note, and definitely not a spoiler, because it may not be in the marketing materials, but right in the title of this, this is a part one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of a shell shock I think for some because <laughs> we were expecting much like the David Lynch version of the of the film that it's going to be all in one package that is absolutely not the case here. So, uh, I think it is Something to note, because if I was to criticize this film, I'm going to call it working tile, uh, deathly hollow syndrome, where with the last Harry Potter, we split that into two. And it kind of felt like the second half of the movie is going to be all climax and no build. I foresee that could be a thing here but I don't know I don't see I have not seen the second part you know the second part's not you know hasn't been made yet so uh, I think the jury's out on that but important to note that and if I had to
0: take a guess I would say it's not going to be anything like that well and not only that mm-hmm. you look at TV as well TV is constantly breaking up almost their last season into mm-hmm. two small seasons Very and trying to just you know string it out for another year mm-hmm. uh, just for audience sakes and ratings or, and viewership and everything like that mm-hmm. I don't think we get that here I think it's like no this is a, such a large story mm-hmm. I think they needed to give it the runway, and it's you know it's proper due. Yes, yeah,
1: absolutely, and, and maybe that's. It. I think you actually bring up a good point because look at how much television has or, or, or television screen writing has evolved since Harry Potter as as a as a film series. So yeah. maybe you have a serious point there, Tom, because you know there probably is going to be a lot more care into uh, the having that second film stand on its own. I hope so. I, 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 and we yeah. can
0: only hope that Denny is a part of that. Uh, and, oh, and imagine if it's, we,
1: it's taken away. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're going to have another Star Wars, basically. Uh,
0: well, yeah, that, I can only hope that he's going to be directing it. I mean, you can only mm-hmm. hope he's going to be directing it. Yeah. And if not, very highly uh, involved in, in,
1: in some way. Absolutely. And, and it, it, you know that really uh, ties back to my point here uh, no real attachment to dune as a property some knowledge but my love of this film is on the filmmaking side alone and I think uh, definitely deserves your attention because bottom line this is this is Denny's show and his DNA is all over this uh, in a very good way I think the first major win here is in this film that it's it's super dense the exposition is impossibly dense to dune and it, it it's handled in an interesting way. There are, there's some natural learning for Paul, our main character. That's, that's, that's Timothy's character in the, in the movie. There is a little bit of exposition in negotiations and dealings and ritual and tradition. It's such a smart delivery of that exposition to the audience that it, It's not exactly making it sexy or fun, but it is, I think, engaging and certainly conveys the stakes and the seriousness uh, behind this film. I think in moments where you see maybe a drawn-out tradition or ritual in this film, uh, especially with some of the negotiation between these political powers... Uh, in this sci-fi setting, the stakes are communicated non-verbally and verbally. Non-verbally in the seriousness that these characters are abiding to, and then verbally in in a tasteful way as well. We're not dealing with expositions, this is not anime writing or anything like that sure, you know sure. it's, it's done very well so, there's emotion
0: behind the characters yeah basically. absolutely that, that's like letting you know how i don't know there's a seriousness to it yeah. Which is, yeah yeah
1: i think bottom line though when it comes to a lot of this exposition the sugar that makes the medicine go down let's say you really don't care about anything around dune <laughs> itself are breathtaking visuals i think mm. the visuals are a Huge, huge plus let's let's talk about the CGI. Uh, I mean I think the design and the scale is probably my favorite part about this. you know I, I'm I'm someone that usually enjoys all sci-fi you know whether that's a used future in a Star Wars style, cyberpunk from like a Blade Runner style or you know maybe even like a utopian Star Trek. The stylings of science fiction are often a character in themselves in that movie. Uh, it helps you kind of understand at just a moment's glance what type of world these characters live in. And very similarly, I think a strong highlight of this film is, again, the CGI, not just because it's shiny, because it tells a story of the world itself.
0: Yeah, and it's a character in and of itself. a, mm-hmm. a bit. It, it plays a massive role. Absolutely, Which, um, and big. Does he use bigotures or miniatures as well? Is it know. all CGI?
1: I don't know. Uh, I I would think so because sometimes the stone and the particular kind of brutalism of the ships. It looks so. It looks very good. I mean, I kind of. We're at a point that sci-fi uh, kind of has good CGI pretty much no matter what. Yeah, but, but I do uh, want to
0: say part of it was almost timeless and almost like the old Star Wars a little bit where it did seem like they were using some actual modeling going on too. Sure, sure. Which added just, I don't know, a coolness to it. There's just a style behind it. Which absolutely. Is great. Absolutely.
1: I think on that note, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to wait to see. <laughs> you know, I'm going to leave the verdict out on whether or not uh, this film franchise is a success with part two or if there's even a part three. Who knows? We don't really know the scope just yet but which i love uh, the secrecy behind yeah, it yeah it is it is it is nice it's refreshing yes. uh, i i think denny and team though they're they're pioneering a, a new look like i referenced you know use sci-fi cyberpunk utopian sci-fi you know these are stylings and subgenres within sci-fi uh, we may not have a an exact word for the subgenre yet but it's told in his architecture of the film it's told in the minimalism and the very characterizing you know brutalistic ship design i think we are seeing possibly the startings of a of a of a new sci-fi subgenre at least in the visual you, look. Uh, sure, you
0: want to feel like there's others. So would you say that as far as visually there might be peppering of this style throughout, you know, the past decades, but this <laughs> yeah. hits home on on like what, this hits it harder? It's a so follow-through. It, it, it's a commitment. Okay, uh, You okay. know,
1: there, there's no backing out. Uh, I'll give you a perfect, in, in Denny's own work, uh, uh, the Blade Runner sequel, when you get to the second half, they go to Vegas in that, and the architecture is a little wild. It's not the neon signs of cyberpunk that we're used to. Okay, It's something different. I think that is... This movie is a follow-through of some of those design cues, uh, very much so as well. Arrival, that ship design, yeah. so new alien, so, uh, so out there. It's a little bit H.R. Giger. It's definitely is going to be taking inf- influences from, you know, everything's on the shoulders of giants, especially sure, design sure. work-wise. But I think this movie is a commitment and a follow-through in a way that... I really think that we could see a lot of trend setting.
0: I was gonna just to say, so this is a trendsetter. Exactly. Now you would say this is you would characterize this as an epic, right? Yes, absolutely. Space epic.
1: Uh, uh, definitely space epic, space opera. I think that's self-described even in the books yeah, uh, a yeah. little bit. You know, the books themselves. I definitely don't quote me, but I think they <laughs> the, the story kind of takes place in in full effect over you know tens of thousands of years. You know, this is a, a, a large, large. scale. So, uh, intimidating to to approach that way. You know, again, kudos to, to trying to unpack this very dense story, and uh, I, I think I think it's done very well. Just to just to pepper here, uh, I definitely don't want to just gush for the movie. Uh, I think my gr- main gripe is the dialogue in this film.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: I, I think it works for the most part. I think when the moody Shakespearean characters are on screen together, uh, it works well. I think it highlights how almost Star Wars episode one-ish, uh, Phantom menace <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lucas-style dialogue it is at some times. Okay. Um, wow, well, interesting. All uh, right. I think it's highlighted actually in Jason Momoa's character. Jason Momoa plays a... Pretty much like kind of like a normal dude, a soldier, and has life in it. And when and he that character, I believe it's Duncan Idaho, which is like a top tier name. <laughs> 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 is screenwriters, you know, take note of Duncan Idaho. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think it's emphasized that Paul and Duncan have a relationship that is normal. It's very brotherly. It's it's high energy. They're happy to see each other, and I think it's highlighted in that that. Clearly, there are normal people in this world. They're not all these high, you know, kind of up-their-own-ass, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, high society. I think maybe it creates an interesting dynamic that we are dealing with such a high, higher-caliber version of uh, this society and, and, the, and the ruling houses in this universe, uh, that they're maybe a little bit alien to us in the dialogue. I think... It, it, for that reason, I, I will say it works most of the times. For sometimes, though, I don't think it works. I think uh, the emotion is ripped from it. In what doesn't very- work?
0: The fact that you have normal... Like you wanted almost like more normal talking, like more, it's,
1: I, I think it. What's it, the main gripe? It it, ha- it creates a hard time for me to care about the characters, and I think if this is going to be a part to. one, that's that's really yeah. It's not even connect to because obviously I'm not the leader of a of a galactic empire. Sure,
0: but that love uh, between between uh, Timothy's character and uh, Jason Momoa's, right. You like seeing that, so you want it more of that? You were yes. you saying you would like more of that?
1: I, I would have liked to see wow, these uh, yes, these characters are very prim and po- proper when they have to be, but if anything, there is a strive for real relationships, uh, for real connections, and that they're forced into this because of the rituals, because of the traditions in their world. Okay, interesting. I think too mm. much is put on that, and I, I will take it with a grain of salt ultimately because. That is a byproduct of the seriousness uh, that this this script has. Yeah, and what
0: you're saying is, you would like the characters more humanized, mm-hmm. and are they really humans?
1: I, right, exactly. Are any
0: of them really humans, even though they look like humans, talk like humans in the film? Sure. You know I, what this I mean? is like, a massive like, time jump. Jo- yeah. Right. What are relationships in these in these in these worlds yep. and in the time frames, You know. But that's an interesting thing. Of you were kind of looking for a little bit more normal, like it was almost being shoved down your throat a mm-hmm. little bit, mm-hmm. like these like. Special beings or something like that. Like you would, yeah. You're looking for more normalcy in the characters once in a while, just to bring bring it back down to earth, so to speak. Exactly. Right, okay. And sure. and
1: believe me, I I don't think it's the most nuanced thought. Again, the best way I could describe it in in a nutshell is it gave me Phantom Menace vibes uh, in how the dialogue was delivered. And if anything, again, highlighted by the few scenes that Timothy and Jason Momoa are are on screen together because. They act normal, and we see humanity in that. Right, so, right. So I, I will maybe take a half step back for folks at home. Again, uh, I cannot stress enough. I have not read these books. If maybe there are some lines that I would have a problem with in, in, in more of a – one-on-one discussion or anything like that, uh, and I would hear that that was a line in the book or stripped uh, directly from it. I don't have that appreciation for it, but uh, again, I think the best thing I can do is create kind of a navigation for the vast amount of audience members that do not know the source material yeah no this. absolutely so, yeah uh and and i mean that i mean you know dune is is big but i don't think we're talking about the heights of a J.R. token for lord of the rings i don't think we're talking uh, what would be another source material we'll, we'll stick with that example but you know i don't think there's going to be even a, above 20 adm- percent population yeah. of watching this film that has read the books you know if i had to take a ballpark
0: agree so, i do think it's large but no, I do agree because I think it's on a lot of like school reading lists. I know I read it, and it was because in of school, school? Uh, it was a school wow, reading list. If, that's I thought awesome. it was like the summer book or something yeah, I had yeah. to read or something like that. But Dune is very popular. But mm-hmm. it's true how many people stick out with it. So I read the first one. I didn't uh, go deeper into the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know my brother definitely has read sure, a lot of sure. the Dune material. But um, I think it's got a pretty big following as far as books. Maybe yeah. not as much as Lord of the Rings. Sure, sure, um, but it's 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 it shows to big. But you're right, and for certainly the most people gonna grow, watching. Yeah, uh, I mean, for the millions and millions out there watching, most yeah. have not read the source material. Yeah, yeah, and
1: and, and maybe something that grows, uh, and maybe the appreciation of this film uh, grows along with it. But uh, again, that was my temperature on it. So, I think bottom line here. Uh, A a feather in Denny's cap uh, As the king of modern sci-fi I am excited to see the scope of this series I am excited to see how many movies he gets out of this But most importantly for the here and now I think, especially with part one uh, for Dune, this is must-see material, uh, and more importantly, must-see science fiction. It has been mentioned plenty of times uh, in this in this podcast that I have a predisposition for science fiction. I, I hope with this reading I've kept some of that in check, uh, but I really do think visuals alone, you can give Two shits about the story. It is dynamite to watch on screen, and so breathtaking for that reason. We're gonna go ahead and give Dune an eighty-three. All
0: right, (laughs) eighty-three. Did we have
1: a natural climb? Oh no no no! Call me by your name was in the '60s. I thought we had a, a full ramp up. Yes, close. We but did not. We yeah, did not. The, right the harder
0: they fall, fell pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that, that's a yeah. good joke, Tom. Um, <laughs> back to '83 on Dune. Uh yes. that's great. I was trying to guess. I mean, I knew you saw it in theaters and everything mm-hmm. like that. So I was I've seen to... this film five times.
1: Oh, yes. Damn. Okay. I, well, you, I, it's no secret I'm a huge fan of HBO Max.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I did see it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see it in theaters. I think it's. Uh, I would push for people to go see oh, theaters, 100%. and if they can go see it in IMAX or a Dolby Cinema for the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I, I I didn't see it right away. That I, another movie came in and kicked it, kicked it out on our local mm-hmm. theaters mm-hmm. Uh, for the for the, uh, the the Dolby Atmos and everything yep. like that. Yep. But I would definitely push for that first. Unless you have a great cinema experience at home, push for mm-hmm. the big theater and, again, the sound. Immerse yourself in that mm-hmm. world is what I would I would, I would push for. Pretty
1: much everything I said about the CGI plays into the sound design with Hans Zimmer as well. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, there's so much care and intention behind it.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a good We It mentions Hans Zimmer for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was trying to guess maybe like 80. I actually had it like 84, 85 really? is what I thought. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I could just feel it. Um. yeah well 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 deserving of that 83 absolutely yeah. yeah
1: and I think my expectations are in check especially for the sequel I, I I'm excited of course to see where it goes mm. but oh, okay. I, I'm not gonna give it much higher because I do kind of want to see what is done with what is being set up and the massive amount of setup in this film so
0: for sure for sure yeah that's awesome Vin do you have well do we have anything else to add I, roll I, credits this
1: is a doozy of an episode so I think it's I'm a big good week. to go all right folks
0: well, Ben, we appreciate you stopping by, as always. We appreciate you, and we'll see you next week. And, folks, we're just going to run it by one more time here. So we have Call Me By Your Name with 68%. The Harder They Fall with a 34 The French Dispatch with a 73 Last Night in Soho with 78%. And, finally, we have Dune with an 83%. We thank you so much, folks, uh, for hanging out with us. We appreciate it, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by the thedailyratings.com where we have our ever expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the donations tab on the daily where you can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. You'll get a producer mentioned on the next podcast episode too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time on the daily ratings podcast.